All right, well, um, this first picture I want to show you is from our downtown location. Was anybody a part of the church back then? Yep, that's me teaching in the middle of the room. That's how we had it set up. And you can see in the top uh, left portion of the picture is the doorway out onto the sidewalk onto Marietta Street. And um, so some of you may know the story. Some of you may have been there when this uh, happened. But I was preaching one Sunday, and there had been a visitor who had come, and he rode his bike to church, and he parked it right outside that door. Um, and at some point during the sermon, Lindsay had come upstairs for some reason, but right when she came upstairs, somebody was walking down the sidewalk, stopped, looked at the bike, and took it, and just started running down the street with the bike. And uh, I looked at it and was like, man, that sucks, you know? <laughs> But Lindsay darted out the door and chased the thief down, you know? And there was about three or, was anybody there? Yeah, there was about three or four minutes of, like, what's going to happen? What is, what is happening and what is about to happen? And to this day, I, can, I don't remember the date when this happened. This is probably seven, eight years ago. I was trying to figure out what, you know, time of the year this was, because I want to find the sermon audio, because you can hear all of this happen. Um, I was like trying to track it down this week, but she comes back in with the bike and everybody cheers, you know, and we're just like, we're just glad you're alive. Um, but this is where Lindsay and I are very different because I was like, well, I guess that bike's gone. You know, I'm not going to chase him down. Um, was anybody, you were there for that, right? Some of you were there. It's such a great story. Um, I was thinking about, like, you know, the, our church has been around 20 years. Next year is our 20th anniversary. Um, we like cards and money, if you're into that. Um, and I could, I could write a small book on the things that have happened in service or right before service or after service, or just, like, people uh, that had come into the building, just some really wild things, some of them jarring, some of them quite funny, um, and some, like the bike story, just kind of heroic. I mean, just like these weird moments of just like, uh, you know, a proving ground for who on staff is braver. <laughs> um, Lindsay is definitely braver, <laughs> definitely. Um, you know, our gospel reading for today, as you just heard, it takes us into a, also a very strange experience uh, where Jesus is teaching in the synagogue and he's interrupted uh, by this weird disturbance during worship, something strange, something frightening, something not quite right. And uh, so just a little background here and we'll get into a couple things that I wanna uh, share with you. This takes place in an area called Capernaum. This is where Peter, one of the disciples lived. Um, this is a picture of the ruins of Capernaum. Uh, and it's taking place in a synagogue. The building that looks new, or it looks like a 70s pizza place, um, that's the new synagogue on top of the old one. So this is one of those ruins where we have a lot of like history uh, happening. And so perhaps Jesus was standing right there teaching in this particular synagogue. And the synagogue, of course, is a house of prayer. It's a house of worship. It's a kind of school for faith and practice. And, um, and Jews would make their way to the local one each and every Sabbath. And while Jesus is in there, um, he's teaching, and Mark tells us these words that they, the people in the synagogue, were astonished, astounded at his teaching. 
For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And Mark doesn't tell us what Jesus was teaching about. There's no content here. It's just the reaction of the people. And there's something to do with authority, which we'll talk about at the end uh, as well. But the authority here simply means that Jesus has the right to do something and the power to do something or both. And so Jesus is this person who has this ability to interpret the scriptures uh, as someone who has a right to say what it means. This is kind of what this word means. He's listening to him teach and they're like, I feel confident that what Jesus is saying is both true and powerful. And this caught people's attention, especially those who were trained interpreters. This a little dig Mark makes at the scribes. Um, and then it goes on to say, Mark says, just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I think as readers of the Bible, the first thing we ought to do here is remember that it's quite important to admit that this part of the story is weird, right? It's not normal, it's strange. It's concise because it's Mark's gospel. He doesn't give a lot of detail about things. It's pretty straightforward, A man enters the service. It's a troubling disruption. There's no real reaction from the people either. I don't know if you caught that. So perhaps this wasn't the first time this had happened. Every church has that person. (laughs) And perhaps this man was known by these people, knowing the synagogue attending behaviors of ancient Jews in their communities. Of course they probably would have known him. You just go to the one that's near your house. So perhaps he was known by these people. Perhaps some of his relatives are in the room, you know, and they're like, oh boy. But more on that later. And Mark says the man has an unclean spirit. And this is an interesting phrase. In Mark's gospel, phrases like unclean spirit, evil spirit, as Brian uh, read, uh, or demon, they're all somewhat interchangeable. In Mark's gospel, it depends on the connotation and the setting. And in this story, the translators chose unclean spirit as a description. And this has to do more with like a ritual impurity. There's something about this man that is unacceptable in society, in religion. Something is off. He's also clearly overtaken by something, be it the voices in his head or something well beyond his reach, or beyond his understanding. He's imprisoned by something, by things that he can't control. And so he's labeled as unclean. So he's kind of an outcast, if you will, but not really of his own doing. So there's some sympathy here. Again, Mark doesn't give us much to go on. He doesn't tell us what's happening. He just says, here's what he said. Mark seems to be interested in something else in the story, something more important. And that has to do with the healing that takes place. Usually in the Bible, omission of details is a way to focus the reader on what matters most, on what matters most in the story. In this case, again, the freeing of this man from whatever is possessing him. This is the thing Mark wants us to see and to think about. And so Jesus responds with a healing. 
And I don't know if you caught this as you were listening to the story, but he heals him just by saying things, just with his words. And this would not have been lost on the crowd in the synagogue. The scriptures, their own scriptures, open with a story about God speaking. And through his words, worlds appear that the word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. And so just that Jesus can say the words and something happens, this is not lost on the people in the synagogue. And Jesus speaks and brings repair to this man. He fixes him. And one of the epiphany challenges for us is to recognize Jesus for who the troubled man recognized Jesus to be. Of all the people in the synagogue, it's the crazy one who identifies Jesus for exactly who he is. And so to recognize Jesus for who he is is one of the epiphany challenges in this story. That through his own words and teaching that new worlds can unfold in the lives of people. It's a very simple story. But I think there are two things for us uh, to consider. And I want to hit those uh, real quickly here. Well, not real quickly. I might slow down. We'll enter like a jam session here and see what happens. But the two areas I want to focus on for the next few minutes are the social and the spiritual. The social and the spiritual. When we talk about the social part of this story, it's important for us to remember what the healing of this man brought to the man himself. It's good for us to think about what it meant for this man to be unburdened by the weight of what his life had become. Can you imagine just being caught in a life of uncontrol, and then Jesus repairs that. He renews him. And it's good for us to think about that, what it meant for this person. I mean, he's restored, in a sense, to just normalcy, right? He's no longer burdened or captured by these uncontrollable things that he says or does. So he's restored to normalcy, but also to his community, I mean, it's just the way we are. When people are a little bit strange and odd and burdensome, we tend to keep them at a distance. And so there's a restoration back into community, which is very important. There's also the absence now of the awkwardness. I mean, this is an awkward story, isn't it? I mean, if someone ran in here today and just started yelling things like that, we would all just be like, Okay, what are you going to do, Derek? You know? Well, we know the answer. Well, we know the answer. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't chase him down. That's the truth. <laughs> but there's an absence now of just how awkward it must have been for this person. But I think most importantly here is a return of a sense of agency and control that this man can now live a normal life. You know, the miracles had a way of telegraphing the future of God's coming world. What Jesus would do in the healings 
is give a glimpse of the future. One where these sorts of burdens and troubles would no longer exist. When he heals people of their sight or their hearing or they can't walk or something internal or something like this, it's a picture of the coming world. And it's beautiful. The miracles aren't just tricks. You know, in the ancient world, there was like magic and (laughs) medicine and miracle. And miracles were free. And so Jesus is giving this free picture of what the coming world of God looks like. And this unburdened man is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. I can imagine just feeling like a weight had been lifted from his life. I mean, one of the favorite verses around here is something Jesus said. You may be familiar with this. What he said, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy what? Burdens, and I will give you rest. This is one of the mission pieces of the life and ministry of Jesus, to lift burdens. And the church is supposed to be one of the safest places to feel overwhelmed, to be burdened. You don't have to come in here and pretend you're not burdened. A, we're not stupid. B, it's what it's for, you know? That the presence of God among God's people, among many other things, is a burden-lifting presence. That's what we're here for. Church is a place for the heaviness of life. Amen? It should be. Sometimes it's not, but it should be. And I think about the burdens that all of us carry. I mean, whether it's work or family or just personal anxieties, feeling alone, feeling weighted down by fear, all of these things. Or maybe you're just a person who um, is so odd and different that people are not hanging around you that much. You feel alone in that. All of us carry these burdens. But I just want to tell you as your pastor that the church is a place where um, those types of experiences and all of those types of people are not only welcome but should be embraced. That we're not in the business of eliminating trouble. You know, I think about this a lot, but if we get... We as people, if we get what we think we want and we rid our lives of all the people who are complicated, troubled, freighted with turmoil, difficult, and sometimes draining, if we get that wish, suffering will increase among those who get pushed out. It's possible that our collective interest as people right now To ensure that all of our relationships are free from pain will only help create a new class of people who live alone in their pain. If we look around at the people in our lives and say, they're not worth it in my life because it's too heavy. They got too many problems. They always need something. 
It's just small steps towards creating a whole new class of people who were suffering alone. And so it's good to think about uh, this story being one of them. It's a good example. This man walks into the synagogue. He's clearly troubled. I think people know him. It's just the way it worked then. And they just deal with it. They allow him to be in that space. Yes, Jesus brings healing to him. And it's beautiful. And it's miraculous. And it's wonderful. But there's a lesson here about, a little side lesson about the community of God must be a place where burdens are embraced. Amen? The second thing is the spiritual aspect of this story. And I was writing this part of the sermon, and I was like, this is just sort of the one-trick pony that I am, so maybe this will all sound familiar. But I do want to talk about this for just a few minutes. Mark says, quote, they were all amazed. This is at the end of the story. And they kept asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with, and there's that word again, authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And the word authority like bookends this story. It's the, it's the word Mark sort of brackets the story with. Authority is the trait Mark gives Jesus in regards to his teaching and his actions. Now, when we hear the word authority, it's normal for us to recoil at the idea that someone else would have positional or even behavioral authority over our lives. I had a friend years ago that was like, I don't go to sports authority because I have problems with people in leadership. <laughs> Who are they to tell me what glove I should buy? You know. But the kind of authority that Jesus is carrying, and this is key to the story, the kind of authority that Jesus is bringing is a healing authority. It's a renewing authority. It's a weight-lifting authority. It's an authority that brings relief, not pressure. Relief. Now, when we think about God, authority, the authority of God just feels self-evident. Authority to create, authority to be present, in all of our lives, authority to forgive and to release, all of that just feels self-evident when you just think about God. All of these things are obvious. When we're talking about God, we're talking about the ultimate authority in and over the universe. Got it. And with Jesus being God in the flesh, God here on earth, and for us to watch and to see what God is like in and through him, we learn that God's authority is used to bring healing and renewal and community and inclusion to those whose lives are in the throes of struggle and suffering, to the lives of those who are heavy with guilt and with shame, and to the lives of those who are hurting and who are anxious. The authority that Jesus wields is the authority to lift burdens. From our psalm reading earlier in the service, the psalmist writes, He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. The fame of God is in his mercy and his grace. Or the back end of Psalm 23, 
Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Isn't that great? The Hebrew there for follow is, um, the translation there is kind of, uh, it's light. The Hebrew phrase there is like hunt down. That God is on the chase. And that's kind of how we think about God. Our default is, yeah, he's hunting me down. He's watching. He's like Santa. He's keeping score. There's a book. But the psalmist reassures us that, yeah, God is on the run. He's after you. But what's after you is goodness and mercy. Do you hear that? That God is in pursuit of you. But what trails you is his goodness and mercy. It's not God's anger or wrath that's on our trail. It's God's goodness and mercy. What a relief. Amen? And may we keep striving to be a church that has these things in mind. That we are to be a place of lifting burdens. And that we are to be a place that reminds one another that God is chasing us with his goodness and mercy. And the authority that Jesus carries over us is the authority to bring life, new life, from what may feel dead to us.